you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we are firmly convinced that creating success and happiness is rooted in understanding the ultimate nature of reality and the fact that as human beings, we are all immensely powerful fractals of the one and only source consciousness, which creates and animates all things. Now, of course, understanding this powerful truth is one thing. Applying this incredibly empowering wisdom to everyday life? Well, that's another. Which is exactly why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week to help constantly remind you of what matters most. You are it. And I'm your host, Brandon Beecham. I'm the reflection and extension of you who will be here each Wednesday interviewing a different consciousness changemaker and on the other four weekdays, leading the way to ensure that your perspective is consistently expanded, your vibration is constantly elevated, and your heart is overflowing and full. And you guys have heard me say that if I ever run ads on this show, it will only be with a company that I fully support because I believe their intention is to make a positive difference in the world. Well, I'm pleased to announce that day has arrived and that this episode of the Positive Head Podcast is being brought to you thanks to the support of Gaia. If you're not familiar, Gaia is the go-to source for streaming consciousness content online. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash Positive Head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash Positive Head. Check it out. All right, all you positive heads, on this week's Pow Wow episode, I'm very happy to have Ronnie Landis here with me on the show. Ronnie is a fellow podcaster who hosts the Holistic Human Optimization Show, where he discusses holistic health, natural nutrition, and human potential. Hey there, Ronnie. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, well, er, thanks for having me on. Super excited to be here and to dive into some interesting uh, territory. Excellent. Excellent. Yes, uh, indeed. I, I, as I was mentioning before we turned on the mic, I don't remember how and where we got uh, connected, but uh, as soon as I had the chance to sort of check out what you were up to, I was like, definitely someone that I want to have on and, and have you drop some wisdom. So I appreciate you taking the time to do it. And uh, I'd like to start off with the same question I always like to start off with. I'm pretty predictable. You're in an elevator. Uh, the, the woman next to you looks over, says, what's your passion you got 10 floors to answer what do you say my passion or my inspiration is about helping alleviate human suffering through natural nutrition holistic healing and positivity beautiful makes a whole lot of sense how you landed here (laughs) um so why don't you start off just telling us a little bit about your journey getting to that place yeah, absolutely. Well, it's quite the journey, and um, there's a lot of different nooks and crannies and rabbit holes that we could go down under. But I think what the way that I like to answer that kind of question is basically taking it back to my childhood. When I was four years old, I have the first I had the first conscious memory of uh, my life, and it was of a movie called Enter the Dragon. Funny enough, and so the first the first conscious imprint of the world around me was actually Bruce Lee. And uh-huh, this cool. kind of led me on a very interesting direction in my life. It was very much, I believe, dharmic. It was very synchronistic. It was very much 
my life journey, uh, growing up and being raised as a martial artist and having this imprintation of the archetype or the iconography of a superhero. So Bruce Lee to me was the first real life superhero that I ever was introduced to. And uh, it just really imprinted this concept of limitless potential that no matter what, I could mold myself, I could train myself, I could adjust and modify anything in my life and my mind to work for me instead of against me. And essentially, I could do anything that I wanted to do if I was willing to work at it and focus my, my attention on it. And so that really always guided me in my entire life. And I have a pretty interesting upbringing and uh, all the different the different ways that that kind of led me to the work that I do now. But if we're going to do a, a quick, just a quick kind of, um, or a long story short, when I was 19, I was preparing to start training for the 2012 Olympics in Taekwondo. So there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of data in between, you know, how I started and how we got to that point. But I ended up in the position um, to start training to make the U.S. national team in Taekwondo. I had professional aspirations of being a professional athlete, running my own martial arts school. Um, and at that point in time, I actually was the head instructor of a very well-established Taekwondo school in Northern California. And I had about 500 students under me. And I that in my life was pretty much all about that direction. That's what I thought I was going to do for the rest of my life. Um, that's really what I, I ate, breath, breathed, and slept martial arts and competition and, and Eastern philosophy and mysticism and personal development. And, you know, what ended up happening to me and what rerouted me, it was kind of like a fork in the road, was I had my first knee injury, which led to my first knee surgery. I tore a piece of my, I think when I was, so I was 19, it was my right knee and it was my MCL. I tore, I tore a piece of my MCL and then I went through rehabilitation. I fought, I struggled, I went through the process. And then a couple of years later, I actually tore a piece of my, my cartilage in my ACL on my left knee. And then I had to go back and get another surgery on that. And so there was this this bit of a turbulence for a little while with me. But I basically, what ended up happening to me after the second knee surgery was that I got introduced to holistic living and lifestyle upgrades and really about natural nutrition. I got introduced to the concept of vegetarianism, to organic food, and then eventually raw organic plant food. And I started dabbling with it and I started using it as a way to enhance my athletic performance and essentially to heal myself. And I have one story that really, it really um, encapsulates a very pivotal moment, a moment in my life where everything completely changed and I rerouted my life as an athlete to becoming you know, becoming an international speaker and author and really an orator and a voice for this message of health and nutrition. And so when I was on, I was on this journey of exploring raw food and I had this idea as I educated myself more about it, I had this idea that I want to know what will happen if I adopt a 100% raw vegan diet, no animal products, no cooked food, no processed foods, 
just completely go into fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, seaweeds, sprouts, green vegetable juices, superfood smoothies, um, and also get connected with nature. Get out of the, the rubber sole cast, which is basically the, the shoe that we wear that insulates us from the ecstatic skin of the earth, which is the geomagnetic, electromagnetic impulse that is coming from the earth that actually donates free electrons to us, which is what our body runs on, essentially. It's our nervous system runs on alkalizing electrons from the earth. But when we're insulated from that, we actually can't get grounded, and our nervous system can be a little chaotic and erratic. And so I found out about this concept of earthing, so I also wanted to get into barefoot consciousness and connect my bare skin and my bare feet to the earth. So I, so all these, these different things that I've been looking at started to compile and organize themselves into my life, and I said, I'm going to go 100% raw. So I did that, and over the course of 30 days, I didn't even think about it, but I found myself at this this uh you know this this nature spot where i had run five miles in the hills there's this really amazing trail that goes five miles long and it goes through the inclines and the ups and downs and the loops all throughout this big hill this mountain and i had been doing that for a long time in my teenage years but after the surgeries i stopped running like i used to because i was really nervous about re-injuring my knee and mm -hmm. I found myself just there. I didn't, it wasn't premeditated. I didn't plan it ahead of time. I just found myself naturally drawn to that area. And I went and ran five miles. And it was almost like something possessed me. Some, it was like a mind altering experience. I wasn't even fully like in the cockpit. Something just took me over. So it was almost like I wasn't even, you know, something something basically possessed me to go do this. I've been doing this for for years prior, but for whatever reason I ended up there and then when I come back from the run, all the endorphins wore off. I'm back in waking state consciousness and I I just realized like, wait a minute, what did I just do? And I start bouncing around and feeling my legs and feeling my knees and I realized for the first time I was completely out of pain, and I noticed one of the biggest principles in healing that I talk about is you know you're healed because you forgot that you were ever in pain to begin with. That's the moment that healing actually happens is when you forgot about the pain that you had become so accustomed to, and that's exactly mm. what happened. I actually forgot that I was ever in pain to begin with, and that insight started me on the the journey that I've been on the last decade in the holistic health and natural nutrition and alternative healing field. Uh, and it just really inspired me. And it, and it really woke me up to realize that the majority of people walking the planet in some way, shape, or form are in some kind of chronic pain, whether it's emotional, mental, psychological, it's spiritual pain, it's physical pain. They're just dealing with some kind of nagging pain in their life, and instead of dealing with it or healing it, they're medicating it, they're pacifying it, they're tranquilizing it, they're, they're trying to neutralize it or numb it, but they're essentially prolonging this this healing this healing process and there's a healing crisis occurring um and most people are normalizing to it they're managing it and it's become part of their accepted reality and i realized for me that 
you know, I had found something that changed my life and it totally healed me. And I started out on the journey of uh, sharing that message with everyone else. Wow, that's fascinating. And, you know, you mentioned as you were telling this, the story, uh, the synchronicity, you know, uh, of Bruce Lee being the very first memory and sort of stepping into this superhero um, path, this path of the superhero. And funny enough, as I told you, when I, um, when we first started speaking before we were recording, I just got back into town from uh, a superhero academy mastermind meetup in Costa Rica. And what did I see there was a bunch of people, amazing individuals coming together, a lot of which were having, um, even my, my good friend who, uh, Everett, who went with me actually had a, a, you know, for the first time an experience doing energy healing spontaneously, not really seeking to. And other people apparently having Kundalini awakenings. And, you know, it was just like by the end of the, the, um, you know, seven, eight days or whatever we were together, it was like all these different, you know, superheroes were figuring out what their superpowers were. Some, you know, psychically gifted, um, some, a lot of which were, you know, a lot of, you know, energy uh, work, a lot of healing work in that way was going on. So it's it's pretty cool that you, you threw out the word superhero right away, seeing how that has been like a big part of the last week plus of my life. And here I am, you're the first person I'm talking to upon being back and, and you know, uh, what do you bring up? So, so cool. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, that's great. You know, that's the theme of my entire life. I feel like a lot of us are donning the archetype of the superhero and the world needs it. So I think that's why this emergence of this archetype and the why we have such a fascination with the iconography of superheroes in comic books and mythology and the hero's journey and, um, you know, everything that plays into the psyche of a superhero and what makes a superhero and being on a mission in our life that we're devoted to, to helping save the planet and save humanity. I think that's a big theme that's coming up right now in the collective. And uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that you were over there with a lot of, uh, probably a lot of mutual friends. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I'm sure we, we, we probably know a lot of the same people and, and a lot of the same people that were there. Um, you know, and then, of course, you also have this new movie uh, that everyone seems to be talking about. I haven't checked out yet uh, Black Panther, but a lot of people are, are really getting a lot from that movie, it seems. So um, a lot of... Uh, you know, and even some people are talking, you know, from from hearing their descriptions, like I said, I haven't seen it yet, but speaking about it like this is sort of a next level superhero movie. Sure. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm really interested about the movie that we're living and mm-hmm. being superhero in our own movie. And it's great to get those those external reflections and to see those stories and to see where Hollywood is going with these uh you know these movies these stories and the great messages that are able to come across it but i want to remind people that you're living in a a story right now and it's a story that you're co-creating and you get to be the main character you get to be the superhero in your own story so you know it's for me it's just about the mission that's at hand right now because the the world that we live in right now and the circumstances that we find ourselves in are so beyond 
anything that makes sense that it would have to be a movie and it would have yeah. to be some kind of comic book virtual reality holographic simulation kind of situation that we're in right now like none of it makes any sense whatsoever and yet here we are transplanted and drop shipped right in the middle of the organized chaos and it, it behooves us to actually take full responsibility and take complete ownership for our incarnation in this lifetime because this may be the most important time in human history that has ever existed right here, right now. And there's some fundamental decisions that have to be made at the, the grassroots level of every single person that's listening to this. There's some individual um, decisions that have to be made in terms of like, what's the contribution that I'm going to make to humanity? What's the contribution that I'm going to make to my own life? And how am I going to discipline my own life so I can maximize my human potential? I can be that I, all I came to be and I can make the most important, not necessarily the great, the greatest in scale, but the most important contribution that I'm here to make in this, this, uh, this whole cosmic play of, uh, you know, what's going on on the planet. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to hear from you some of the maybe key um, points, key observations that you have come to, uh, you know, as far as how someone can reach that true ultimate potential. Sure, absolutely. Well, the first thing is you just have to make a decision, you know, and you might have to make that decision over and over and over, but you got to be relentless and persistent about it. And that decision oftentimes is about making a true commitment to your path. And sometimes we have that, that inkling, we have that nagging feeling inside of us, that intrinsic discomfort inside of us that is kind of nagging at us. It's letting us know, hey, you know, this job that you're working or this, this processed food diet that you're, you're, you're eating or, you know, whatever this relationship that you're in. You know, it's really not serving your next stage of evolution and growth, and it's actually an hindrance to your personal unfoldment or your personal expansion as a human being. And it's very, it's very convenient to cover up those urges, those inklings. So the first thing I'd say is that we definitely need to start getting honest with ourselves about what are the incongruencies, the, the misalignments in our current life situation? What fantasies are we entertaining that are distracting us from reality? And then once we can kind of clear the cobwebs in that sense, we can just be really honest with ourselves about what do we want to do? What do we want to commit ourselves to? What is the work that I'm here to do in the world? Once we got that down, then then I would say the most important thing for people is to start optimizing and upgrading their nutrition and lifestyle strategies that they got going on for their life. And it really your, you know, Terrence McKenna said that one's one's a personality is a direct reflection of their diet. And hmm. that, that's, Interesting. That's, that is a perspective that I have held for the last decade in the work that I do, because it is not it is not fallen short on my awareness that 
the connection between consciousness and what we put in our mouth are fundamentally interlinked together. You can look at that from a theological and a religion point of view, a spiritualized point of view, um, a mystic and mythological point of view, or you could just look at the brass tack, the, the, um, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, just where the rubber meets the road in the most practical sense. You could just look at biology and physiology and, how the body and the brain work that, you know, there, there's a great way that I like to sum this, this whole theme up, which it comes from the, the Sanskrit language. It comes from the, the Vedic texts um, out of Ayurveda in India, which is an over 5,000 year old tradition of medicine and philosophy and yoga and all that good stuff that we really enjoy in more spiritual communities. One of the great things that comes out of that is this phrase that the subtle energies of your food become your mind. So there's wow. many different layers to this particular puzzle. And there's one thing going on in the world right now that I've made the cross connection with many years ago, which is something that I call parasite consciousness. And we can go down, we can go way deeper into that rabbit hole if you want. But basically what it, what it suggests that um, there is a predatory and a vampiric and almost like parasitic um, theme in our world right now. And the decisions that are being made at the top of the ivory towers um, of organizations, of banking institutions, of political, um, political, uh, you know, the White House and other political stations. And, and as far as you want to go down every single rabbit hole of that, how how far that thing goes the decisions that are being made appear to be mostly parasitic in nature. And I started to wonder what's going on there, really? What's actually affecting people's consciousness where they would they would actually spend all their money towards things that are actually destroying the environment? All the legislation and all the policymakers and all the the major decisions are basically going towards things that are short-term immediate gratification, but are very clearly and statistically showing that um, it's basically driving us off a cliff, right? And I just wondered for a long time, what is, and then, you know, the macro is a reflection of the micro and just the decisions that people make in their everyday life. And I just wonder what, what's going on with all that. And I realize, like, it is some kind of form of an infection consciously. It's it's some kind of parasite, a psychic parasite, if you will. But I also look at it like it's also physical parasites. It's also physical. It's it's physical infections. And, you know, call it candida, call it a parasite infection, a fungal, bacterial, et cetera, et cetera. And that's part of the work that I've done for so long looking at, you know, basically looking at the stuff that people are eating and what they're carrying with them and how our food or how the organisms that come from our food that get in our body actually affect our consciousness as a whole. Does all that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, you know, and you hear a lot about it and are, have heard more about it even recently with the whole idea of probiotics is what I thought I think of instantly when you, when you talked about that, the different gut bacteria and how, you know, what a lot of people don't know when they, who, who are, you know, sort of um, still eating a lot of processed foods or a lot of sugar. And they're like, I, I don't, I can't get off of it because I crave it so much. And they don't realize actually, you know, this whole phenomenon of, of, 
gut bacteria. And the more, you know, you're uh, having sugary foods, the more bacteria you have in you that is is sort of demanding that from you. And once you sort of break the cycle, uh, those cravings go away, right? Absolutely. I mean, it, a lot of times people think that they're having cravings, but maybe it's not you having a craving. Maybe it's what's living inside of you that's using you like a remote control that has the craving. And it's almost like pirating on, on pirating one's consciousness where they get a bag of chips or they get a bag of Oreo cookies or something. And then they sit down in front of the hypnotic transmission device called a television and then they they, uh, vision right (laughs) it's telling you what to see and think absolutely and then they check out their conscious awareness checks out for you know maybe 10 minutes or something during the commercials and then when they wake up out of the spell the whole bag of chips is gone and people like wait wait and i've seen it happen i mean i'm not even just like I'm not just kind of making fun of the whole situation. I've seen it happen with my mom's husband and other people that, you know, in the familial situations, when I look back in my mind and I I look at them like kind of totally checking out at the, at the, uh, you know, taking their dinner with them in front of the TV and then totally checking out and then seeing what it looks like when they actually wake back up. It's, it's a whole, like their whole their whole face changes, their whole energy field completely changes. It's really a trip. But I want to go back to this conversation about digestive health and, and beneficial bacteria and, and gut integrity, because I think that that's the most important thing to segue what I was bringing up with the whole parasite consciousness thing, because ultimately what is going on um, mass scale is that people have an epi- there's an epidemic of what's called dysbiotic conditions. So a dysbiosis is a clinical term for an imbalance of beneficial bacteria. That's when the opportunistic anaerobic organisms, the the sugar feeding and and fermentation respiring organisms, which is basically it's fungus, it's mold, yeast, viruses, bacteria, inappropriate forms of bacteria, parasites, all those type of organisms respire or they thrive on sugar fermentation. So basically what's going on is that people have a dysbiotic condition and then that can lead to many other issues. And the probiotic idea is absolutely critical for people to understand because the the translation of probiotic essentially means pro-life. The word antibiotic Mm means anti-life because biotic translates into life it's it is a life you know it's it's a strain it's a colony it's a bacteria it's a living organism and we are 10 to 1 made up of living organisms microbes and bacteria and we're we're one we're we're one to ten cells, human cells, and the rest of us is basically like we're like a bag of bacteria. It's it's really trippy. It's a whole it's a whole like completely yeah. changing paradigm of the human of what the human being actually what life on the planet actually is and what forms life in the first place. And that's why this whole antibiotic idea and this chemotherapy and radiation idea is is almost like satanic in a way. It's very atheistic. It's very hyper 
um, scientismic, materialistic, anti, anti kind of spiritual, anti magic, anti life, because essentially the whole idea is that if you have a cold, you have a flu, you have an infection, you have a dysbiosis, we're going to nuke, we're going to, we're going to put a nuke bomb in there and we are going to nuke or we gonna, we're going to obliterate your biological garden, which is your microbiome, which has beneficial and and not so beneficial organisms, but it's all about the balance. It's all about the ratio that they're in. But there's this hyper-materialistic idea coming from Western um, medicine, which is this antibiotic idea. I don't want to spend too much time harping on that, but you can you can kind of get a get a sense of where my position on that conversation stands. And ultimately, what we need to do is we need to understand that we need to be pro-life, pro-solution. All the solutions, all the things that we're doing for our health or we're doing for our lifestyle have to be moving us towards more life-affirming activities because then that will affirm the beneficial life that lives inside of us. So another point that I want to just make on this is that what we found out over you know the course of the last decade or so, maybe even longer, is that we have three different brains in our body. We have the cerebral brain, which we're all very aware of. Two, it's a two-pound um, organ in our you know, which is our brain, two-pound muscle, but it's really an organ. It just functions like a muscle because it's it's malleable and adaptable, and it can grow in certain regions, and it can modify it self based on the sensory input and the way that we we can actually train our brain like a muscle it's it's absolutely amazing but it's a two ounce it's a two pound organ in our head but then we have two other brains that we didn't even know about not that long ago we have the cardio brain which is the electromagnetic impulses or or emanations that come from our physical heart right so the right. study of heart math heart math institute found out that your heart actually it actually emanates an electromagnetic field an energy field that spans beyond eight feet from the, the individual and the only reason we know that is because our technology can only measure it up to eight feet but we're pretty sure because of things like non-locality, when you study quantum physics, one of the, the concepts is non-locality, which is this idea that you can physically be in one space, but your mind can be traveling what's called the newosphere, which is the collective biosphere of human thought, or it's the, it's the, 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 the inescapable web of consciousness, however you want to kind of think about that, where we're all connected and you can have a thought about somebody and that person across the world can actually receive the energy or the, the like a premonition or an insight. Like we know this in ESP um, where somebody has the thought of somebody and then, you know, all of a sudden they're calling them or they have this impulse to call them and then they find out the other person was thinking of them and all kinds of other interesting, interesting things like that. Like I'm sure that you, you're very well aware of and probably go into in your show. So that's really interesting when you think about, wow, my brain actually has an intelligence of its own, right? So it's kind of like you learning to think with your brain or think with your heart in a sense. Right. Yeah. And then you have yeah. your other 
you I just want to I was want to finish this thread of thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Then you have your third brain, which is your enteric nervous system, otherwise known as the gut brain. So that this is where so much research is being done right now in the microbiome, your biological garden that houses all these microorganisms that's 80% responsible for your immune system that produces 80 to 90% of your physical serotonin. Your brain, your cerebral brain, doesn't really produce much serotonin. It, it goes through the conversion process of the amino acids that convert into the neurotransmitter serotonin, but it's actually produced in your gut. So, you know, there, there's all kinds of different interesting rabbit holes that we could go into. But I just wanted to make that point that there are multiple forms of intelligence and intuition is one of the forms of intelligence. And I want to theorize publicly that, um, you know, intuition, although it's kind of this like this kind of almost um, quantum or um, uh, unmeasurable phenomenology of the human experience, but I actually think that intuition comes from the gut. I think it's a guttural intelligence. I think it's a gut instinct. I think it's like knowing in your gut about something. If you catch my drift, like it's it's yeah. not even so much listening to the heart. I think all three of those those intelligences, when they're synchronized and they're in alignment with one another, then it creates a hyper intelligence that allows us to connect beyond the physical three-dimensional gross matter and connect into what people call the Akashic records or the, mm. the, um, the one mind or, you know, whatever, whatever concept um, you want to think about connect to our higher intelligence. When all three of those come together and when we have the right dietary strategy or the right nutrition strategy and the right movement strategies and the right, um, you know, all the things in our life, that are leaving us, that are help, helping us live an optimal life. When those things all come into alignment, that's when I believe we tap into the higher intelligence, which is just really our own human potential. Yeah, yeah, and I'll just—I just want to add to that for any of you guys uh, who want to go deeper down the rabbit hole, uh, you know, in regards to heart math, um, like Ronnie just mentioned. If you go back to episode, way back to episode 166, uh, ha I had the president and co-CEO of Heart Math, uh, Deborah Osman, on, and also um, another thing that I thought of instantly as you were talking about, you know, as we get really an in integrity with our our diet and what we're putting into our system, how you turn on these sort of extrasensory um uh extrasensory perception comes online and it makes it made me think of another uh previous interviewee uh anna wood uh, in episode 234 because she was actually a part of this superhero academy mastermind meetup i just was uh shared and, and touched on a few minutes ago and it was the coolest thing ronnie while we're there um you know i had the most amazing time you know over a week long there was about a 30 minute time period where i got into a little bit of a funk uh processing something energy energetically. I decided to go into my tent and just was in there by myself, zipped up and, and, and processing this. And all of a sudden, Anna, who is someone, and if you go back and listen to her interview, you'll definitely get that from her. She's very, you know, I mean, very 
pure with what she puts in her system and, you know, very connected, um, you know, on, on many levels and multidimensionally and has a lot of, you know, extrasensory perception fully online. And she literally came over to my tent, Ronnie, during the 30 minute time period in the whole week that I was feeling off. And she's like, hey, what's going on in there? I know something's wrong. I can feel it. And it's like, you know, I there was no indicator of any kind that anyone would have ever known. So it's really, truly uh, an example, just a, a very recent example of someone, um, you know, using this superpower as they come into integrity with, you know, and I think of every time I've had, you know, multiple meals with her, she's always blessing her food, takes a few minutes to, you know, energetically, uh, you know, do whatever it is, her whole process, um, you know, equivalent to a prayer, if you will. Um, and so I think that's, that's just a wonderful example to kind of put an exclamation point on some of the things you were just touching on. Let's touch for a second on the nervous system, if I can. So sure. I think what's important for people to understand is the, the avatar machinery that we, our soul is um, basically uh, uh, steering around in this, this vessel of consciousness, if you will, this physical body. I look at it like an avatar and it's run by certain impulses and our nervous system there's a lot of different compartments of our nervous system. There's the autonomic nervous system, which handles involuntary automatic functions. Um, there is the sympathetic nervous system, which is our stress response, our cortisol uh, regulation, and our parasympathetic, which is down regulation. It is relaxation, digestion, calm. Everything is good. Everything is maintained. Everything is balanced in the universe. There's our peripheral nervous system, et cetera, et cetera, central nervous system. And the way that we interface with the external world is through our nervous system. And when our nervous system is functioning optimally, we're able to get the best readout on reality as it's being as it's being reflected back to us. And there's multiple layers of how this thing we call reality is kind of uh, reflecting itself to us or how we're interpreting it and rearranging it through our nervous system. And basically, if you can think about the, the body and the nervous system and the neuromuscular system as a multiple, intricate, infinitely intricate highway of electromagnetic and electrolytical impulses in your nervous, your nerves are right, or I should say these electrical um, packets of information are riding along this nervous high, this nervous system highway. And there it's just like infinitely impossible to actually comprehend the, the, the totality of how all this works. But basically the point I want to get across is that when your nervous system is running optimally and it's firing effectively and the impulses there are insulated by what's called our myelin sheath, which is a fatty tissue that insulates our nervous system and it's not being oxidized, but it's actually running effectively and, and smoothly through this nervous system highway, then we're able to conduct information a lot quicker. We're able to receive information a lot quicker. We're able to actually be connected because we're connected in our physical body. We can actually be connected to the earth. We can actually, one of the really interesting things that I think is absolutely critical for everyone here that's a bit of a scholar and a student of reality 
to understand, and I, I mentioned it kind of briefly before, about this concept of the newest sphere. So one of the things that I find very fascinating is that in my study of being on the fringes of reality, is that the, the newest sphere is similar to the, biosphere, the biosphere, which is the encapsulation of the geosphere and the hydrosphere and the heliosphere and and you know everything that we are accustomed to in the atmosphere and all that. And the newest sphere is the collective thought process. It's the psychic field of humanity, but it's also the direct connection point with the living intelligence of our geosphere, which is the physical earth. The geology of the earth we're finding has its own intelligence. Now, we've all talked, you know, all of, we all, all of us in our kind of relative communities, we all kind of understand this idea that the earth is a living organism and that the earth is intelligent, but we haven't actually gotten to the point, or I say most people haven't gotten to the point to really accept the fact that the earth has its own personality and the earth has its own life cycle and the earth has its own destiny similar to a human being has their own intrinsic individual destiny or dharma well what we're kind of theorizing and figuring out is that the earth is its own personality the earth is its own being with its own destiny and dharma and each human being can connect to the intelligence and the communication of the earth itself not in some fluffy theoretical kind of you know um airy fairy type of way but in a very concrete type of way and you better believe there are people on this planet with a lot of money and a lot of technology that are sussing this out and, and are absolutely serious about this and i want to put that out there because when what you just mentioned to me made me think about basically when our body and when our system is hyper conductive we are able to conduct transmissions from within ourselves and also from beyond ourselves, connecting with another human being, having a premonition, having an ESP experience, having a lucid dream, having an outer body experience, having a holographic experience of reality, getting, um, being able to actually get messages or insights, divine downloads, if you will, um, from the earth itself. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, that, that's exactly what there there was. I just told a story of one Anna uh, there who's been on the show. Another Anna who listens to the show happened to be there and be a part of um, the Superhero Academy. And that's exactly what her experience was. Why she was there was connecting with you know Gaia ever the the spirit of Gaia m more fully than she ever has in a way that I mean, you just look at her after having the experience and she's like, oh my gosh, I what I've just been shown is there's no words, you know, and the message and the direct link that I have to the spirit of this planet is just you know you could just feel the um the energy just emanating off of her she's just glowing and so like in tune and uh in in her case you know uh having used uh a, you know a medicine uh, that she typically hadn't, had, you know, hadn't participated in, and 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 act, sort of accidentally using this medicine, uh, a psychedelic, and it worked as you know something that just fully blasted her open. She had had experiences before, but it took it to a whole nother level where she was able to you know get downloads and information, um, you know, 
at, at a whole nother level than she previously had. So I'm curious about what your thoughts are in regards to using those sorts of tools. Like, um, you know, like entheogens. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So this is a question that comes up somewhat regularly. I have a lot of personal experience in this field. I have a lot of, um, not a clinical research experience, um, because I definitely believe this is a research. This is a, this is a side of clinical research that's becoming very, very interesting. And I have a lot of shamanic experience with it in terms of the philosophy, the, the, the indigenous and traditional usage of these medicines. I think it's really important for people to understand the distinction between the word psychedelic entheogen and a hallucinogen. Entheogen mm-hmm. literally means to generate the divine from within. Um, mm-hmm. Psychedelic literally means mind manifest. And hallucinate, hallucinogen basically is suggesting that it's all in your head. It's all right. based on material, chemical reactions. You're having, you're having a hallucination, basically. And it's not really real, is it? And so I, right. I always have to make that distinction because... The word psychedelic, most people don't even know what it means. It means mind manifest. What does that mean? Well, maybe it means that in your in that particular altered state, whatever substance you might be influenced by, you have a unique opportunity to amplify and increase, to potentiate the manifestation process. Because if you've had these experiences, likely you will have an experience of hyper clarity, um, colorful illustration and illumination, um, almost like you're able to watch a movie reel or a cartoon or um, a past experience that you couldn't quite recollect. And all of a sudden you can see it like a movie reel in clear, like in, in clear detail and description. Um, and we'll go into all the kind of the chemical reasoning for all that. But basically, there's certain functions of the, the neurological system, the default mode network that gets inhibited. And then it's basically that's basically like your filtration system for in normal waking consciousness for the reality um, that we live in. You're interfacing with reality and you can only take in a certain amount of amount of data at a time because your brain doesn't have the capacity to process everything all at once. So it inhibits the input, but when you're under these influences, certain things get turned on and certain things get inhibited for a short amount of time. And then it basically lets the floodgates of consciousness in, in neural activity take place um so my feeling on these things is that i think that they are absolutely incredible medicines in the right set and setting it depends on the the substance in the the administration the person that is facilitating the experience like in the case of ayahuasca having a having an ayahuasca that is absolutely competent that is in integrity congruent has the right experience and has the right intention and basically knows what they're doing. Um, that is absolutely essential. I'm the type of person at this point where I can self facilitate ayahuasca ceremonies. I don't actually need another person. I like having somebody there that can download the music because the music for me is the carrier wave for the internal experience. Yeah. Um, so that, that's something that I really enjoy, but I can self, I can self facilitate, most experiences um 
And some of these, when you go deeper and deeper into them, they force you to, to actually do that. Um, but anyways, my point is that the point I want to drive out about this is that it's really up to the, it's up to interpretation based on the maturity and the intention of the user. Um, I, I always have a disclaimer about this because there is a subculture right now in the psychedelic world of people that I feel like are, are not really totally mature and emotionally and mentally stable within their own life. And they, there's a habit of using these substances as a way to escape their problems that they ultimately will have to come back and integrate into their real life. And if right. somebody has the intention and the, the wherewithal to use these things in their appropriate setting and to actually problem solve, like I think, I think psychedelics, entheogens, I think these are great for problem solving, solving problems that you can't quite get at from the normal linear kind of angles of our normal um, thought process in our, our accustomed reality. So yeah, okay, I need to go beyond the veil a little bit to crack this code because I can't quite get at it from these angles that I'm, I'm kind of stuck in and I need to get non-linear. I need to get beyond the veil a little bit. I think it can be really powerful in that kind of that kind of usage. But if it's just like oh, I just can't deal with my life, I can't deal with problems. I can't. I, I got to get out of. It. I got to escape this, right? Then, um, then I, I I have to strongly urge either not necessarily against it because if somebody has like clinical depression or they have a chemical imbalance or something or they they just literally can't deal with their life because the certain um, it's not set up in a way that supports them, then I think it can be fundamentally powerful, but they need to have an integration process set up so they can integrate the experience into their life, get the insights, integrate the insights, start making the fundamental changes in their lifestyle in the course of their life. So it, it's a positive thing and it doesn't become, um, you know, a habit of escapism. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's very, very sound advice, and I agree with you 110%. Um, so, yeah, anyone out there, obviously, escaping, running from anything is never going to be the answer. Using something um, with with intention, um, you know, obviously, that's a case-by-case -case decision, but it's certainly... Um, I, you know, in my case, I've seen a lot of people who've had, who've had mass benefit. And then, you know, as you mentioned, Terrence McKenna, uh, earlier, something that he said that I think is also important to consider when looking at all this is, you know, he said once, you know, when you get the message, hang up the phone. And sometimes right. I think that's the case with some of these substances, <laughs> you know, you've, you've gotten what you can from it. So let's kind of, you know, not continue to, to go down that path. Right. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. It's a good one. And very relevant where where uh, this stuff is concerned, I believe. All right. Well, now seems like a good moment to take a quick minute to tell those of you who aren't familiar a bit about our sponsor, Gaia. I've been a big fan of Gaia for many years now, which is why they're the only content provider I've ever reached out to in regards to potentially supporting this podcast. So needless to say, I'm very excited they're now supporting the show. Gaia truly is my personal go-to source for streaming consciousness content on the web. They have an incredible 7,000 plus exclusive videos covering 5,000 years of wisdom. 
Just to give you an example, on the show Missing Links, the incredible researcher Greg Braden explores all the biggest questions concerning who we are, where we come from, where we're going, by connecting the missing links between science and spirituality to complete our understanding of humanity's history and to better understand the interconnectedness of all things. Awesome, right? And that's just one example. As you guys constantly hear me say, it's a daily conscious effort to maintain an elevated vibration. And if you're looking to go deep down the rabbit hole to do so, then Gaia is the best place I know of to do it, period. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash positive head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash positive head. Check it out. Um, so I'd like to s- switch gears a-, a little bit back to nutrition because, you know, obviously a huge topic in our in our culture currently is, you know, uh, being a carnivore versus, you know, veganism and what's right and what's wrong. And, and curious as someone who has th- dedicated their life to, you know, holistic health, what are what is your thoughts on this topic? That is a big, big topic. I've spent the last decade probing and trying to find the definitive answer to that. And um, I've landed on some pretty interesting territory, which is not either or, but it's leaning in favor of a plant-based evolution. You know, I think Albert Einstein said it very beautifully. He said that nothing would benefit the human species than an evolution towards a vegetarian diet. And I think Hmm. that and that's and that's not a straightforward um, quote either. There's nuances to that quote. If you think about it, the evolution to a plant-based diet suggests that it doesn't mean that every single person on the planet should be a vegetarian tomorrow or a vegan right. tomorrow. I'm not convinced that the, I don't really like the word vegan anymore um, for a number of reasons. I don't think it is the best. I, it, I don't think it's the best identity for somebody to to pigeonhole themselves into because it's largely an experiment. And it's mm-hmm. a great it's a great short term idea for virtually every single person. But every single human being walking the planet is metabolically unique. They have a unique enzyme capacity, a unique microbiotic situation, as we were kind of talking about before, the microbiome. Each person has a different functionality and a different psychology, a different emotion, emotional um, uh, temperance, if you will. Not everybody is predisposed to actually thriving on a 100% vegan diet long term. Um, So I want to make that point because that's the most responsible and most authentic thing I could answer right away about that. Um, And I think vegetarianism is ultimately the great middle ground and the most responsible kind of pathway that somebody can bark upon them, bark upon for themselves or advise other people. Um, Because ultimately, there is certain aspects and certain, um, I want to say, essences of the animal kingdom that cannot be foo-food, that cannot be thrown out with the baby with the bathwater. There are certain things that come out of the animal world that are absolutely critical to know about. Um, I do think that the evolution away from animal uh, animal tissue, meat and cadavers and, and you know the, the, the killing of animals, moving away from that karmically, spiritually, energetically, physically is a very good idea. But as we do that, we may need short-term things to help us with that, that acclimation, to help us with that process. 
and things like in Chinese medicine, using the essence of a deer antler is really, really powerful. Um, using things like bland, black ant extract, which is the highest zinc-containing food in the world, and black ants are some of the strongest organisms, living beings, sentient creatures that are on the planet, and they're one of the most they're one of the most highest population creatures on the planet. So karmically, it's different than eating a cow that came out of a factory farm or something like that, right? So right. it depends. On it depends on somebody's philosophy. It depends on somebody's ethics and personal kind of sense of morality. And if you do feel like it's in your heart to be a vegetarian or to be on the vegan team, then I totally support that because obviously my my proclivity is more towards vegetarianism and, and plant-based living. Um, but I get I get both sides. So I always have to my my um my perspective will not allow me to be bipartisan. It will not allow me to be either or because I fund. I know the fundamental, the fundamental, um, I guess, intelligent perspective to anything is an integration of the opposites. And if we're only going to look at anything from one end or the other, then there's a there's a lack of maturity in how we hold the entire the totality of the conversation if that makes sense so you got to be able to see both sides of it you got to be able to integrate the the complementary opposites and with that said i absolutely believe that everybody needs to be eating more plant food whether you're you're a carnivore or you're you're already a vegetarian or vegan we can all benefit from eating more plant food no matter what our dietary proclivities are. And I think that's really the direction people need to go because what happened for me was that I wasn't trying to be a vegan. I wasn't trying to be an identity or a certain, I wasn't trying to put myself in some box. I just had a question, which was, I wonder what would happen if I adopted a 100% raw vegan diet for 30 days. That was the right. question I asked myself. It was based, it was a scientific inquiry. I wanted to know what would happen. And what happened astonished me. What happened blew my heart open. And not only did I heal my physical body, but I healed certain aspects of my heart that I didn't even know were, were there. Certain wounds or certain band-aids I had over my heart, I didn't even know they were there. And what ended up happening to me is I became more compassionate. I became more, uh, more world centric, more cosmic centric in Ken Wilber's uh, integral theory philosophy. I became more um, connected to animals. I became more connected to the environment. I became more connected in general. And so I had a spiritual awakening that came along with the physical healing. And then that's when I realized, wow, there's a spiritual imprint to the food that we eat. It's like Dr. Gabriel Cousins' great book, Spiritual Nutrition, eating for a spiritual, a spiritually advanced type of life. And once I started to realize these deeper meanings, that's what took me on the path of uh, vegetarianism, and I was vegan for for you know quite a quite a bit bit of time. And now I would I would say yeah I'm 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 vegetarian, and that feels good because that's what the Hindus the Hindus did in the Vedic system for five thousand years. We don't have thousands of years of veganism. You can look at like Zoroastrianism and the Jains and certain certain sects of uh, human populations 
that in the the Essenes um, that were that were said to be completely plant based. But what we do know for sure is that there is a five thousand year old culture that pretty much figured it out, and they were vegetarian and they did not eat the holy cow. the The cow was sacred; it was like a family member to them, and they they consumed the alchemical byproduct of that cow's metabolism in the form of butter, in the form of ghee butter, in the form of uh, raw, unpasteurized milk in the form of cheese and what they figured out was that you do need cholesterol you do need a certain amount of saturated fat that only comes from the animal kingdom because our entire hormone system is built from cholesterol and if we don't have cholesterol coming in from an, ex an exogenous source from an outside source then we run the risk of not being able to produce all the internal, all the intrinsic cholesterol or endogenous cholesterol is a more technical term. Our own cholesterol, we need to get it from some outside source to build our hormones. And so they kind of cracked the, the in-between code right there that on being a vegetarian versus being a vegan or a carnivore. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Um, so... Another question for you uh, with all of these uh, sort of advancements and, and information being, you know, flowing so freely, it seems like more and more people are tapping in and considering, uh, you know, things that they never really considered as possible with human potential. Um, you know, you, I think of people like Wim Hof and, you know, people that are doing like sort of like what appear to be super, super human things, superhero type stuff, superpowers. Um, do you feel like that is something that is going to continue to expand? Do you feel like this is a reflection of some, some level of uh, spiritual awakening or ascension that's happening? Well, it's, it's absolutely, it's absolutely an expansion of human potential for sure. I mean, whether they're, whether that's a spiritual awakening and ascension or, you know, what I think it is, is it's our epigenetic it's our epigenetic potential fully coming online. You know, if you think so, the study of epigenetics is very interesting because basically what it says is that our genes are not our destiny, meaning that the genetics that we're born with do not deter. There's no genetic determinism. There's no evolution. Right. They're turned on and off, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it doesn't. What you're born with does not determine your life experience. It doesn't determine who you're going to be. It doesn't determine the, the possibilities of health or a health condition. Now, can that influence it? Yes. Some people have the deck stacked against them when they're born. If somebody has cerebral palsy when they're born, which basically can make them almost like quadriplegic in the sense that they can't use, they have a total lack of, of mobility from their arms and their legs. But are there multiple cases of a child with cerebral palsy that gets trained out of their inherent condition? The answer is absolutely yes. That happens all the time and never goes no. You never hear about it on the news because that goes against the, the, the cultural consensus of mediocrity. So you don't ever hear right. that thing. Is oh, no, okay, somebody overcame insurmountable odds. This child had this like determined genetic predisposed condition and their life was pretty much over before it started. And then, oh, wait a minute, they actually got 
and they actually got introduced to a doctor who actually cared about them and saw beyond their condition and hired a specialist to to train them and force their nervous system to to break out of its its locked box and free itself essentially and that kid actually grows up to have complete use of their his arms and legs and becomes a, a star athlete in high school. Yes, that kind of stuff does happen, but we're never going to hear about it because the cultural consensus is basically trying to convince us of our own mediocrity. And so that's kind of what comes up for me when I think about genetic determinism, psychological determinism, and it's all the same story that we were all fed, which is the the bottom line the 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 status quo is mediocrity and if we rise above mediocrity ultimately what we're doing is saying i'm going to activate my human potential and now we're in a place in our world where we realize that genetically there is no determinism what we know is that the epigenetic phenomenon is that the forces outside of us meaning our relationships, our emotional state, our mental state, the nutrition that we put into our body, the, the connections that we have with other human beings, that we have with animals, that we have with the earth, that we have with spirit itself, can activate dormant genes that have been laid dormant, that have been inactive inside of us. They used to call this junk DNA or non-protein coding DNA. And I won't go down that whole rabbit hole. That's a whole rant in of itself. But basically, they, they figured that hyper-materialistic and atheistic science scientists basically figured that, oh, isn't it a shame that 90% of your genes don't have any functional purpose? They don't do anything. They're junk DNA. Now what we know is that's a bunch of nonsense, that the DNA is not junk. It's not That makes no sense whatsoever. What right. Junk DNA. And it doesn't do anything. No, how about that? It's just inactive, or it's been it's been programmed to be inactive, to lie dormant. And there's certain external forces, and there's cosmic forces, and solar rays, and phenomenology that's happening cosmically that's activating our DNA. There's foods and superfoods and tonic herbs and spring water. In certain things and nutrients that are activating methylation pathways and cytochrome P450 pathways and, and all this other amazing stuff that we're finding out about the human body that's actually turning on certain inactive um, pathways of our own genetics and we're becoming something completely different that's breaking out of this cultural consensus of mediocrity and the, the, the destiny of the human being is a noble destiny. The human being is not some junk food eating, you know, um, blasphemous being. The, the human being is a noble organism that is destined to break out of this, like in this voluntary slavery that we've been, we've been indoctrinated with. And that, and this is all what comes up for me when, when I think about your question, because ultimately what's happening is that we're getting a taste of our own human potential. And now the generations are being born into it. There's definitely a concern with artificial intelligence and this whole idea of the, the singularity and the integration of technology. But I do believe that there is this interesting middle ground where we're starting to realize that 
the technology that's destroying the world could be reverse engineered into creating technology that could save the world at the same time. So there is definitely a superhero archetypical mythic thing that's going on in our world right now. And we're all part of it. And it's activating all of us at the deepest levels. And uh, yeah, that's what I think about. Yeah, that, that's super exciting when you think about all this you know, dormant DNA. It's like, yeah, it makes no sense that it's there and just junk and useless. And you start thinking about the, the opposite that it's dormant and waiting to be activated and, you know, uh, meant to, to, to sort of come online as we level up as, um, as a species. And that's a very fascinating, um, thing to consider. And when you look at some of the people who are doing things that are just beyond, you know, what we consider to be possible. And there's a lot of it out there, you know, from people using, you know, chi or prana, you know, to, 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 or, or telekinesis or, you know, any of these sort of powers of people like Wim Hof, you know, who they, there's no explanation how he can, you know, hike up Everest in shorts or whatever it is. It's like, um, they, you know, there's no real answers for it. And, and what I love, that I'm seeing is this narrative uh, and these these boxes that we've been put in are starting to to crumble uh, thanks to you know all the free to, free information out there that is now you know they can't really keep keep the lid on it like they once did. I feel no, absolutely. I mean the, the veils of deception and control are being pulled down at an alarming rate. And, um, you know, I think about when it, what you just said, I think about Roger Bannister, which was the man who broke the four minute mile. And they used oh, to right. in the forties the and fifties, they believed that if somebody ran four minutes, their heart would explode because their, their cardiovascular right. system couldn't handle that much pressure. And it would just explode their heart, which is like untested theory. It does. Nobody has any mm, evidence right, right. for this. People are like, oh, okay, well, you know, I, I'm feeling a healthy dose of fear, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay away from that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, okay, but then this guy Roger Bannister is like, uh, you know what? That, I don't really know. That's never really been tested. That's never really been proven. It doesn't really make that much sense. So I'm gonna train myself progressively, incrementally, to get to the point where I can, uh, I can achieve a four minute mile. And let's see what happens. And over the course of months and years, he trained his body to be able to do that. And once he did it successfully, what happened? The cat's out of the bag now. Oh, this can actually be done. You mean my heart won't explode? All of a sudden, the paradigm and the psychology of people completely shifted from impossibility to obvious possibility and then look what happened people literally were breaking running records i mean i I, as an athlete i actually did close to a four minute mile in junior high no joke like as a just because i never was indoctrinated with this idea that oh no that's impossible pretty damn good i I remember (laughs) doing it when i was just trying to prove somebody wrong it wasn't even like an official like track meet i was just like annoyed and this kid was just bugging me and just telling me how much i sucked and i was like you know what forget you i'm gonna show you right now and it was like four minutes and 15 seconds or something i you know it's just like and it's like what what's the big deal the big deal is that i didn't have any concept that i couldn't do it 
And yeah, that's, right. And that's really what we're talking about here is like, you can be the healthiest ever. You can be the healthiest human being that's ever walked the planet. This, you know, right now, you can be the smartest version of you. You can be the most intelligent version of you. You can be the strongest. You can be the fastest. You can be the most flexible. You can be the best uh, lover, you know, a tantric lover, whatever your deal is. Like, you can be the best entrepreneur that you can be. Like, you can literally be anything and everything that you want to be within your own physical capabilities of course there's certain limiting factors but psychologically speaking the you can be whatever you believe you to be and whatever you're committed to being essentially um and that's what's so exciting about this this whole human potential conversation because once somebody realizes that there are no inherent limits other than the limits that they give to themselves all of a mm. sudden, possibilities arise, and it becomes possibility thinking instead of improbability thinking, which is the cultural programming, the poverty programming, and the scarcity software that has been uploaded in the motherboard of humanity like a viral infection. And we just have to disinfect all those bad programs and start replacing them with the upgraded software. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I love the way you explain that, that super powerful. And yeah, I mean, speaking of epigenetics and everything, it makes me think of, you know, the work that Dr. Bruce Lipton did, um, yes. you know, the biology belief. And it's like, you know, uh, that is really the core message in everything that people are now realizing that, you know, the message is, is so clear, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Like Henry Ford said, it's like, you are in, you know, you are the lead actor, actress, director in your own movie. And it's so important to start telling new stories and by telling new stories and, and building on the momentum of, you know, what you're putting into your, your mind, what you're putting into your your body, you know, telling new stories, rewriting the scripts. This is our work. This is all of our work. And if we start down that road, you know, the the radical difference and changes you can make in your life. I mean, there's really no limit to how much it can change from where you sit now. You are not disempowered. You have all the tools in you today now to to start that journey. Absolutely beautifully beautifully put. So we're getting down to it here, man. That went fast. Time flies when uh, you're talking to someone fascinating. And Ronnie, you've definitely been fascinating to talk with. I, I do have one question that's a little off the beaten path. I always like to ask for a story of synchronicity or serendipity, a positive paranormal story. You have anything like that you care to share? Man, I, I, I have a lifetime of that. I feel like I could write a book on serendipity and synchronistic events and, and turning points. And, um, you know, w when I think about that one thing, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that I could say, you know, let me take a moment to just pause for just a moment to see which ones. There's a number of them that are coming up. I don't feel which one would be most, most relevant. You know, there's one that comes up quite often that I talk about in my, my life story journey that I kind of bypassed here. So I'll just tell you, okay, so when I was about 14 years old, 15 years old, I was at a turning point in my life. I, like I said, I've been raised as a martial artist and as an athlete. And, you know, I but I also had the same kind of drawbacks as any any young man growing up in society. I wanted to fit in with people. I wanted to be accepted and, and desired by girls. And, 
I wanted to, uh, yeah, I wanted to be accepted and find out who I was amongst my peers. Um, and I was also training privately, um, very intensely. This is when I really got serious that I wanted to compete and I wanted to really get into competition for Taekwondo, but I was kind of doubtful and I I was like, kind of not really going all in, you know what I mean? Like I really wanted it, but I was holding myself back from being fully committed because I had these other conflicts going on as a teenager and I was on the track and field and I was running a mile or something. I remember what I was doing. I was running and something stopped me almost like a lightning bolt. And I got this voice and you know, when you have a voice in your head, but you know, it's not your voice. Right. Yeah. Well, that happened and it stopped me. My whole system halted and the voice said, do you think you're going to live forever? Oh, and wow. it, sh- it shook me. I, I was just like wide eyed. I was like, whoa, okay. Hmm. And I got the vision, the whole, the whole, the whole plan got shown in front of me, my whole life direction, this whole next phase of my life within seconds, the whole thing holographically mapped right in front of me, you know, like you have it, like you download everything for the next 10 years with like, you know, 10 seconds. Wow. And I got it in my system. And then I was like, the next day. I changed everything. I stopped going to the parties. I stopped smoking. Well, I didn't necessarily stop smoking, but I stopped going to go smoke with people. Um, I stopped yeah. minimizing all that. I stopped drinking. I stopped um, chasing girls. Well, not entirely, but you know, 15, <laughs> I go and you know, like we have our, you know, we have our our our, our habits. But basically, the story was <laughs> right. I I started committing all my free time to going to the gym, to going to the dojo. I got super committed. I start I stopped holding myself back. I got into uncomfortable conversations I need to have. I told my mom, look, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. I'm not going to college. She eventually tried to get me to go to college and I went to a, a junior university and then uh, within the second year I dropped out when I really realized that I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna go all in on Taekwondo I actually dropped out like the moment's notice because I realized like up oh, this isn't relevant anymore I'm out so all that you know that's all to say that that moment was such a changing point for me and it was definitely a phenomenological experience like there was definitely an energy there there was definitely some kind of like impulse of spirit that came through that synchronistically rerouted the entire direction of my life. So that's, I definitely thought that that would be an interesting, an interesting thing there. Yeah, that that's absolutely fascinating. And, you know, for people out there who have never had something like that happen, you know, it's, it's, it's just like that. I mean, you don't ever know when it's going to come through and it certainly, it certainly can, and and still may. And it's it's such a powerful thing to just know that that's even a possibility. You know, I just um, I just was with a a, um, a friend at this mastermind meetup, and uh, someone that I'd known briefly and got to know a lot better on this trip. And he just had a um, uh, his appendix was about was uh, ruptured. Uh, yeah, if I'm remembering correctly, it's appendix where you can actually die from it if you don't take care of it. Right. Um, and he woke up in the middle of, you know, in the middle of the night to a voice telling him, go Google 
left left you know side pain or something like that and he went and googled it and it basically said yeah you know it was symptoms he was having having and it was you know go, you go to the hospital immediately if this is happening and it saved his life and it was this voice that told him exactly what to google and <laughs> that saved his life so it's it's one of those things that you know, if anyone has any doubts, I mean, there's just countless stories like this that are out there. And so that is a super cool one. I appreciate you sharing. So Ronnie, for those who want to continue to follow your journey and tune into your show and everything like that, maybe now'd be a good time to, 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 to rattle off the best ways to, to follow your work or to connect. Yeah, great. So people can go to my website, www.ronnielandis.net. I have another website, which is the Holistic Health Mastery Program. It's my holistic nutrition certification program. It's an online program, highly comprehensive, um, very deep, deep, um, multidisciplinary knowledge in different different areas of raw living foods. Um, we talked about vegetarianism, superfood nutrition, tonic herbalism, detoxification, etc., etc., etc. If that's some if that's somebody's journey and they're they're wanting to go deeper in that direction, they can go to my website, holistichealthmastery.com. Um, if they want to check out my podcast, The Holistic Human Optimization Show, um, just go over to my website, RonnieLandis.net. You can find the podcast there. You can also go on iTunes, obviously. Um, if you're listening to this, I imagine you're pretty, uh, you're pretty aware of how to find podcasts. So you can type in my name or The Holistic Human Optimization Show and uh, tune in for some really amazing stuff. Absolutely. I, this has definitely been amazing stuff. So I can imagine there will be many who want to, uh, to, to get more downloads from you. You are truly an inspiration. I do have one last question for you, Ronnie. Um, and I always start with the same question and end with the same question. And my ending question is this in 60 seconds or less, what is the meaning of life? According to Ronnie Landis? I can give you a lot less. <laughs> I believe uh, <laughs> I actually had a really amazing quote that I won't even try to top. He said that life has no meaning other than the meaning that you give to it. And um, mm. this seems to be very relative to Taoist and Buddhist and Eastern mysticism in philosophy, which is that um, every single situation, every circumstance, every opportunity in life, every moment we we imprint or project meaning onto it and oftentimes yeah. the meaning is self-defeating it's self-sabotaging it's narcissistically um negatively driven and it's usually about what is not working in our life or why we are not working and it's and it's it's very self-centered and self uh yeah self centered in a negative sense. And I want to just encourage everybody to pay attention to those patterns because ultimately you can wipe the slate clean. And it is, it's getting into the neutrality and the generalness of life and being like, wow, this is interesting. What kind of meaning do I want to imbue on this experience? Yeah. Once you get into that habit, then life becomes meaningful instead of nihilistically meaningless because it's just overwhelming and we don't want to deal with it then it becomes meaningless as a scapegoat but ultimately when we take responsibility and we imbue meaning onto life in a way that is self-supportive 
which becomes supportive for everyone else that we we come in contact with, life becomes meaningful. So that that's for me like when the meaning of life is the meaning that you give it, and um, yeah. and what a beautiful thing that we can actually give meaning to life in any which way that we choose. Yeah, I, I love that so much because it's so empowering when you understand you have the power to tell a story, a, a new story. If something's happening to you, be careful with the story that you're telling about it. You know, um, if you're saying this is, you know, abracadabra, you know, as I speak, I create, right? And if I'm saying this thing happened to me and as a result, I'm disempowered and poor me and all these things. And so it is. If you say, hmm, this happened to me and I learned from it and I'm going to grow from it. And I know there's a hidden diamond behind this lump of coal. I, I believe that. I have faith in that. I trust in that. Guess what you're creating, right? Mm-hmm. You're creating the way it actually operates for you. Uh, and so it's, it's the most empowerful thing, empowering thing a person can, can come to realize, I believe. And, um, your explanation really is, uh, a powerful one as well. I appreciate you so much, uh, Ronnie. You are, as I mentioned, an inspiration and, uh, yeah, I, I definitely look forward to, to meeting in 3D, uh, at some point. I'm sure it will happen. Absolutely. I look forward to that. And I appreciate you having me on your show and having such a great conversation. This has been so much fun and I really appreciate the time. Likewise. And uh, until next time, journey well, my friend. Aloha. Well, everyone, that concludes this week's interview episode. If you have enjoyed this positive download from our hearts and minds to yours, please Take a minute, give us a rating or review on iTunes, since iTunes is the holy grail of all things podcasting. Uh, your good reviews help us to reach more listeners. Also, we would be extremely appreciative if you would tell your friends and family about the show. Our sincere intent with the Positive Head podcast is to spread positivity to the world because, well, because we're selfish, quite honestly. Uh, I say that jokingly, but really only halfway joking. I'm referring to the good kind of selfish based on the knowing that we all get what we give in this life because when we give, we're actually always giving to extensions of self since we're all really one in the same consciousness, just in different bodies. So if you want to be a good selfish along with us by helping to spread the positivity, by all means, please proceed to shout about the Positive Head podcast from your rooftop. <laughs> Otherwise, As you continue on your fabulous journey in this 3D reality, be sure to remember this. As long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Journey well, everyone, and thank you for being.